How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us at the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked by all our misdeeds. And just bar- not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. This is the start of Paul's uh, letter to the church in Ephesus. And it goes on for three chapters of this. That was the message version of the Bible. But he, he talks over and over again about God's blessing For those who believe, the children of God, that Jesus died and rose again so that we may be made free, we may receive his blessing, we may be made alive, made new, uh, anointed, and made holy by him and his work. If you're uh, not a Jesus follower and you're watching online today, we're so glad that you're joining us. I want to encourage you to read the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians in our Bible, and it'll show you what we believe, who Jesus is, and what that means for you if you accept it. But if you are a follower of Jesus, there's not just three chapters in Ephesians, there's actually six. And as the first three chapters talk about who Jesus is and what that means for us, our identity in him, how he's changed us and transformed us, the last three chapters talk but what that means for us. Because in the original Greek, uh, chapter four starts with the word therefore. And if you've ever had a cheesy English teacher, you know that whenever you see the word therefore, you need to ask what it is there for. And that therefore is what we're gonna be talking about today. And it's what we're here for. Because as Paul starts to talk about who we are in Christ, he then talks about who, what that means for us in our everyday life. And it starts with being Christ-centered, even as Craig preached last week, but then it results in how we live, the way we conduct our lives. And that's shown as we start Ephesians 4, as we read today, verses 1 to 3. It says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Therefore, because of everything Christ has done for you, live a life worthy of his calling. Live a life worthy of the calling of of Jesus who has sacrificed himself, his love for you, the the greatness of his supremeness, the, the love and the passion that he has. Live a life worthy 
of him. Live a life worthy of Jesus. And this is what he's called us into. It's, it's not something that's just some of the time what, when it's this sacred and, and uh, secular divide that we can come to church on Sundays, but live however we want the rest of the week. It says, live your life wherever you go, whoever you encounter, whatever you're doing, do it in the sake that is worthy of Jesus. We have this high calling because of what Jesus has done, not because of our own doing, but because of the first three chapters of Ephesians, who he is living in us and through us, and we can live that way. He talks about what that would look like in verse two. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Completely humble and gentle. Not just when it's easy, not just when things are going right, but when you're in your car by yourself, be humble and gentle. When a political leader, whatever side of the political spectrum you agree with or don't agree with, when someone you disagree with talks, be humble and gentle even when they're not in the room. On social media, be completely humble and gentle in all your interactions, in all your thoughts, in everything you do as you live your life, be completely humble and gentle. Next, Paul says to be patient. Living a life worthy of Jesus means being patient in everything. In our fast-paced world where we can order something on Amazon and it can come in just a couple days, or we order fast food and if it's longer than 15 minutes, we start to get annoyed. Whatever it is, be patient in everything, wherever you go. And that's how we can live a life worthy. And the third thing that, or the fourth thing that Paul says is bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. Bearing with other people does not mean that they are doing everything right and, and you're enjoying their presence, but it probably means there's some flaws, some friction, maybe even some conflict. And as we bear with others and, and do it in love, that's how we live a life worthy of the calling of Jesus. Now, all of these things, being humble and gentle and patient and uh, bearing with one another, there's a, there's a common theme in that the theme is that you're doing it in relationship with other people. And the last three chapters of Ephesians uh, uh, talks about different relationships and how we interact with people in different ways. And the first 16 verses that we're looking at today shows us kind of a, a broad overview of what that community can look like. Because community is important if we have been connected with Jesus, if he has set us free, he has set us free to live in a community of believers. Verse three talks about making every effort to keep the unity, every effort to keep the unity that he has, he has made for us, to keep the unity that he has designed for us in the first three chapters. As, as you can read that this week and see what he's done for us, every effort. Now, that doesn't mean that, that unity is going to happen all the time as far as you're concerned, but you can do everything you can to keep unity. Maybe even if the person doesn't deserve it, you can forgive them. Maybe even if the, the, the person, it's, it's mostly their fault, you can step out and, and work towards unity. Because this shows that even in the best communities, there's still conflict. And as we work through conflict, we can have a greater unity together. Throughout this, this section of scripture and, and throughout even the whole New Testament and, and through especially the next three chapters of Ephesians, it's going to talk about the life worthy of Jesus, but that happens in and through community. You can live a life worthy 
of Jesus, of your calling in and through community. Now, there's different things that that community requires, and that's going to go over this next uh, section. Uh, So we're going to read verses now four to six that says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, this is a confession of faith, the, the things that they believed, and, and many of the most important things that, that causes people to believe in Jesus and to be followers of Jesus. Because the first thing that community requires is community requires unity of beliefs, a unity of core beliefs that, that hold people together. This is not a, a comprehensive belief of everything you need to believe in, in Christianity, but it does hold out a lot of the the tertiary or the less important beliefs that that may be right or wrong, but they might not be. For instance, this doesn't talk about the correct sermon length, because we don't have to be united on how long a sermon should be, or or the kind of music we should play in church, or, or many other things. But these are the core beliefs that unify us, even in conflict, even in hardship, that we can be united in our uh, in our beliefs, in our core beliefs. And that can drive us to have greater community together. Uh, The next part actually, it it moves from unity to talk about actually diversity. And it may not seem that way at first, but in verse seven, it says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Grace Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, the grace that he's talking about here is not saving grace, the way that we're, we're saved and redeemed. He's actually talking about gifts that we've been given, our abilities, our talents, our resources, our experiences, whatever it is, he's given each of those as he apportioned it. And that means there's, there's different levels, there's different gifts, there's different abilities that people have. There is diversity in gifts. And that's the second thing that community needs because community requires diversity of gifts. If we want to be a, a community that, that can achieve great things together, if we all were the same, we could only achieve really one thing. But it's, it's doing things together, but using our diverse gifts to, you, to do it together. Uh, one thing it's been a pleasure to be a part of over the past year is actually our elders board. And one thing I really appreciate about, appreciate about our elders board is that diversity in the people in the group. There's many different kinds of people and types of people with different experience and and workplaces, but they all are unified on our beliefs and our mission and our vision of our church. And because they're diverse, often they have different opinions about different matters. And as they talk about different issues or subjects or, or ideas, often people have differing opinions. But whenever I walk away from those meetings, I never think or assume that anyone's frustrated or angry because they're unified in our common beliefs. And they each use their diverse abilities, their diverse gifts, their diverse uh, past experiences to help the church do what God has called it to do. And it's been a pleasure to see how the diversity of gifts have helped build this community as a church without most of us even realizing what happens in those meetings. But there's a love and a unity, even because of the diversity in the elders group. Uh, We continue in verse 11 and 12 to look more at community. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, 
the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Uh, This now starts talking about some uh, leadership gifts that some people possess the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and and the teachers. And and this is referring to certain leadership and leadership gifts. But what Paul doesn't say is these leaders aren't supposed to have all of the impact. They're not supposed to do all of the work. The primary role of leaders is to equip the people for works of service. It's so that everybody can take part in the mission. It's not just so a select few professionals or or the most gifted or or the most uh, apparently gifted or the most resourced or, or the ones who are the most mature. It's so that all can take part in the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Billy Graham is a great example of this and, and using that diversity of gifts in different people. Uh, different times he gave credit to other people for, for the success of his great evangelistic ministry. He spoke to hundreds of millions of people, but he gave credit to some of the individuals that we would never see. He gave credit to the people that went in front of him and prayed in cities for weeks at a time before he'd come and speak there. And he gave credit to the people who invited their friends to his rallies and said that, that his ministry would not be anywhere nearly as successful without these people. He saw the value of using the diversity of gifts because it, it wasn't just about him preaching. It was about everybody using their di- diverse gifts toward a, a common set of beliefs. But the third thing that community requires is community requires action from everyone. Community requires action from everyone because each person is, is needed. In verse seven, it talks the grace that has been apportioned by Christ. God has given each person gifts, abilities, ministries that is needed in the community that they are in. This is important because the result is to build up the church, the body of Christ. That's both our local body of Christ, Ross Road Community Church, but it's it's also the church all over the world, the, the believers all over the world that are working together to glorify God, to praise him and for more people to be a part of that mission. Building up the church has, in this context, has both an internal and external point of view. The internal is to love and to help people mature and to disciple and and to help people know Jesus more. But it also means outside too. And we know that because Paul just mentioned the gifts of of apostles and evangelists, which are both outside reaching. So more people can know and experience the love of God that it's important to build up the church both inside and outside the church. And this is the job of everyone, not just the leaders or the pastors or the staff or the elders. Uh, During the pandemic, uh, it has been more difficult to uh, have everyone a part of the programs of the church and be part of that. Uh, For instance, our Sunday services, we used to have many greeters and many Sunday school teachers and many people play a vital role to be a part of it. Now, because of regulations and keeping our bubbles small and and different reasons, uh, we've been a smaller part, uh, had smaller amounts of people be a part of our mission and vision as a church in our Sunday morning program. But I've loved to see how so many of you and how our staff has, has pivoted so that we can keep on equipping the saints to do the works of ministry, to build up the church in different ways. 
Uh, Pastor Ellen has used to equip Sunday school teachers so that they could teach uh, their kids on, in Sunday morning. But she's changed so that now she's equipping parents to teach their kids. And me and my wife have loved teaching our daughters Bible studies and lessons. And we want to keep doing this even when we come back to Sunday service and, and figure out ways that we can continue to teach our kids the Bible. There's been other ways that people have equip, been equipped and, and done the work of ministry. I'm part of a, the pastoral care team, so I often will call people who are in difficult situations or maybe isolated. And time after time, I've called people in our church. And they say, oh, I've talked with this person and this person. I, I get calls most days and, and I'm connected in this way and this way and this way. And I love how you have continued to do the work of service, even though it's not maybe part of our, our church program, but it's part of the ministry of our church, the way that we can love and serve people, both inside and outside. I've loved the way that we've connected on, on social media and you've cared for each other as, as people jump in and pray for each other, or, or they answer questions for each other, or care in, in one way or another. I love how our church has, has changed and just been more focused on equipping you to do the works of service, to do the ministry of the church in your everyday life, in your workplace, in your family, with your neighbors, the way that you treat each other, and, and the way to continually pursue and connect with Jesus. Because the church is not professionals serving consumers. It's trainers equipping you to live a life worthy of his calling. To live that life wherever you go, whoever you meet, and connect with others. Because the work of the church, the way that the church is built up, it says in verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Uh, the, the result of this is, is not only to be unified in belief and to continue to grow in our knowledge of, of who Jesus is and what he's done for us and what that means in our lives, as, as part of that's talked about earlier in verses 4 to 6, and we can be unified in some of those, those core doctrines of our faith. But it's also to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I don't know about you, but I have a long way to go to attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. But the goal in this passage is not just for you to individually attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's for all. It's until we all reach unity of the faith. It's until we all have knowledge of the Son of God. Until we all become mature. Until we all attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Uh, Clinton E. Arnold says, the ultimate goal far transcends personal spiritual growth because the entire body is in view. Your unique gifts, your unique role, we need you to be active in our community, not just for your own spiritual growth, but for the spiritual growth of others. Because we need action from everyone to have a healthy community. Uh, Paul uh, says that point, especially in verse 16, when he says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part. And, and if, you're calling, if you call Ross Road Community Church home, you're a part. We need you to be part 
of our church, the way we, we grow and build itself up in love. Maybe that's part of one of our church ministries, our church programs, but it is part of the church ministry to love and care and build each other up. Using the, the gifts that Christ has given you, your diverse gifts, experience, and past to benefit the church, to build the church. Growing in numbers so more people can experience God's love, but also building it in maturity and knowledge, as he talked about earlier. It's important that each part does its work. Uh, this is true in, in many ways, even a, where a, if a small thing goes wrong, uh, there's, a, there's a big difference. Uh, one way that works is, is in the body, and Christ, or Paul actually uses this illustration in, in 1 Corinthians. But my wife's a dental hygienist, so I'm going to use a, a mouth example of how if you don't take care of your mouth, it can cause big problems in your body. If you have gum disease, it causes inflammation markers to go in your mouth and throughout your body. And if you have gum disease, you have a three to four times higher risk of stroke. You're two times more likely to have heart disease, and you're 70% more likely to have Alzheimer's. You wouldn't think that your, your heart, Alzheimer's, or having a stroke would have anything to do with the, the health of your gums. But, it's in, but just because this one part isn't working well, it can cause a big difference throughout your body. Now, unfortunately, 47% of Canadians who are 30 or older have gum disease, and most of them don't even realize it. There's a big difference that they can take by doing the simple practice of brushing your teeth twice a day and flossing. Coming back to the church, many of us may feel like we're flossing, and that's our gift is to floss in one way or another. It may not, you may not feel like it's that important. You may not feel like, like you need to be a, a vital part of the church, and you may feel like you're ignored too often. But you play an important, vital role for the health of the whole church to do things that God, we feel God has called us to do to show more people his love, our mission to, to help people find and follow Jesus, and our vision to be a welcoming, Christ-centered community that, Im that glorifies God by impacting individuals and families near and far. We need each person, each part to do its work so that we can accomplish the mission that God has put on us. And the way to do that is through community as we each work together. Now, as I talk about a community, you may have noticed I haven't talked about some of the, the typical things that we think of when we talk about community or relationship or friendship. I didn't talk about icebreakers or, or calling people or, or um, even just the normal things of friendship that maybe we often do. But if we're looking at true community, it goes far deeper than just having a common uh, interest in a sports team or being able to uh, chat here and there. Because real authentic community happens when we go on mission together, when you go deeper than the surface level of, of your friendships. In their book about church small groups, Hartwig, Davis, and Sniff state that the best groups, the groups with the best community, do not prioritize building community in the group. The groups that have the best community are the ones that go on mission together. They have that, that unity of belief, that, that common drive together. And because they have that common drive, they can overcome conflict. 
Because they have that common drive to be on mission together, they can, they can use the different diverse gifts of different people so that everybody can be a part of it. Community, deep, authentic community will not happen just by uh, sending memes or, or asking somebody how they're, how they're doing and, and giving pat answers of, I'm doing good, I'm fine. If you want to have deep, authentic community, you need to be on mission together. And maybe that, and hopefully that mission is a part of our church, but that could just be going deep with each other, sharing struggles, sharing fears, overcoming different obstacles, persevering with somebody who's, who's going through a challenge. These are the ways that you can go on mission with those around you. Getting through a pandemic together and staying unified rather than letting conflicts divide you. Differences of opinions on, on the various aspects that we can become divided on. But if we have a unity of beliefs, if we recognize the benefit of, of diversity of gifts, if everyone is working together, we can be on mission together and have authentic community. Because the fourth thing that community requires is being on mission together. Community requires being on mission together. I once heard uh, an interview with uh, Jocko Willink, who was a lieutenant commandant of the Navy SEALs. Um, and he was asked, uh, how do you create unity? And he said, it's a pretty simple answer. He said, do something hard together. Now, if you look at what Paul has called us to do in just the first 16 verses of this, it's pretty hard. Live a life worthy of the calling, to uh, build up the church, to be completely humble, to be completely gentle, to all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Those are not small goals. Do something hard together. Continue to pursue that. And in our church's context, we've, we've, desi- uh, we've uh, made it more succinct to say our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. Do something hard together so that more people can find Jesus, so that we all can follow Jesus in deeper and greater ways throughout our lives. And it happens as we pursue authentic community through unity of beliefs, through a diversity of gifts, through everyone, uh, the action from everyone, and being on mission together. This week, I want to encourage you, do something to develop deep, authentic community. It, it may, you may seem like it's hard right now with a pandemic and regulations, but as Paul wrote this, uh, he actually started using the term we, as in he's part of the church and an active part in their mission. But Paul was in prison 1,500 kilometers away. He didn't have internet. He didn't have a phone. He didn't have any way to connect with them other than writing this letter. But he still found a way to be an active part of their mission and using his gifts to help them. Don't let a pan- pandemic stop you from being a part of something greater than yourself. To be part of a community that helps people find and follow Jesus. Someone in our church who's done a great job of this recently is Charles Story. Now, Charles uh, has some health issues that make him more vulnerable to COVID, but he has not let that stop him from, from using his diverse gifts to make a difference. Using his gifts to, to do the works of service and show people love. Don't let it stop you either from reaching out to a friend. It can be as simple as praying for somebody, continually praying for them and letting them know, or giving them a call going for a walk maybe. I don't know what it looks like for you, but you can be a part of community. 
One specific way that our church tries to create community is in care groups. And our care groups work together, not just to have good friendships and and to have fun together, but to read the Bible, let it transform their lives and, and be purposeful together to impact each other and impact the world. I encourage you to to be a part of a care group if you're not part of a care group. If you are a part of a care group, I want to invite you to push the button in in the comments if you're watching on our Sunday platform that says, I love my care group. But if you're not part of a care group and you're curious, you want some more information, I invite you to to click the, the button in the comments if you're watching us live on Sunday morning. If you're watching on YouTube, you can find that link in the description. But see how you can use your diverse gifts so that you can be part of an authentic and deep community. I'm going to leave you with a quote from our discipleship pathway that that talks about community as a key catalyst in our spiritual growth. It says, this faith journey is best done with others along the path. There is power in community as barriers are broken and support and encouragement offered. Deepening relationships form crucial bonds that introduce Jesus, prompt personal growth, develop accountability, and encourage missional purpose. As we strive to be a welcoming, Christ-centered community that glorifies God by impacting individuals and families near and far, a loving, generous, and forgiving experience creates a vital connection point to helping people find and follow Jesus. May you experience that and be an active part of it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the community of people at Ross Road and the unity that we have in in who you are and what you've done and what your word says about you and and our mission to help people find and follow you and our our vision to be a welcoming Christ-centered church, God. I pray that you would unify us in those beliefs. But God, I also thank you for the diversity of people in this church the diversity of gifts, the diversity of resources, the diversity of spheres of influence, that that not only can we uh, have an impact on our world through our church programs, but in so many ways throughout the way that people live their lives worthy of your calling. That people can see you, that people can experience you, that people can love you through the way that we love each other, through the way that we have community here and be on mission together. God, I pray for courage for people to live that out. I pray for that people would know the diverse gifts that you've given them, even if they're questioning it, God, but they would try it out, that they would live that out this week so that we all can benefit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.